Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of hey Jewel. I am. I am so unbelievably excited to talk about Kim on SNL, Julie. I think I'm still fully reeling from it. I, I definitely am. And I, I don't know if this is relatable to you at all, but I find myself feeling a bit of a sense of frustration because I know there is just no way I'm going to be able to effectively vocalize not only how excited and how proud I was about the whole thing, but just in general, how cool this whole thing is. My bigger concern is that I'm going to vocalize it to the extent where people are like, okay, relax. It's just the TV show. <laughs> I mean, on Thursday's episode or Friday's episode of whenever the bonus show was, we were kind of talking about it in preparation, you know, hypothesizing and seeing what she would do, what kind of stops she would pull out. And I just feel like our expectations, I would say were exceeded because they were, but they were also really met because we had the feeling she was going to kill it. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the things that kind of really took me by surprise, not surprise necessarily, but was one of the reasons that it was so unbelievably enjoyable and great is because I went in with such high expectations. And typically when that happens, the best you can get is like your expectations are met. And usually when you have such high expectations for something, it falls a little short. This exceeded my expectations in a way that I just, I couldn't believe it. And I, I swear to God, I watched that episode with the biggest smile on my face, not just because I was laughing, but I was genuinely so happy to be watching this episode. It's so funny you say that because me too. I I actually caught myself at one point wondering if somebody walked into the room, what they would think that I was watching (laughs) because I was just in such joy. And 
I think also, you know, when it's somebody like Kim who shares their life in such an intimate way, and I was saying this, I think on Friday, you have a better sense as to what she was feeling in the moment, or you can kind of imagine that. Whereas you probably can't with a celebrity that doesn't divulge that much of their personal life and you haven't seen the way that they deal with situations. So I think it just felt, even though it was this big deal and there was so much surrounding it, for me at least, as somebody who obviously has been a fan of Kim for so many years, it felt strangely intimate as well. Totally. There was also this feeling of just like vicarious validation where you were watching her and you were like, that's right. She's killing it. And anybody who had a negative thing to say before this has to shut their mouths. They have nothing that they could possibly say. And that was also just the best feeling in the world. Totally. And I think, you know, I feel like you and I, a lot of times when we're talking to people who aren't necessarily a fan of them, specifically Kim, a lot of what we always try to communicate is like, she is willing to go there. She can be self-deprecating. Yes, of course, she has this high sense of self-importance as she should, but she's not afraid to kind of play into some of the criticism. And I feel like in her opening monologue, when she really just came for every single person in her family, herself, her brand, I feel like starting it off like that probably warms some people up that may not think she would be willing to do that. Totally. And you take that and pair it with just the delivery of that monologue where you were like, okay, it's not just that she's self-deprecating. It's not just that she's making all of these jokes that we didn't expect. And by the way, the joke she hit on didn't feel like the lowest hanging fruit or like the expected thing. Like I was genuinely cracking up, couldn't believe some of the things she was saying. But you pair that with the fact that it was delivered so well. And it's like, wow, like that was the first sign of like, she is going to kill this episode. Totally. And on one hand, it's like, yes, you have it or you don't have it. I don't necessarily think that I would have said Kim has it, but I think that in her particular case, she is somebody that knows the amount of work she needed to put in in order to nail it. And she did exactly that. It was it was nonstop. And of course, listen, everybody at SNL works just as hard, but I think her as a host took it just so seriously with the same drive and work ethic that she brings to everything she works on professionally. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things about Kim that we always talk about, that she always talks about, is this need to prove everybody wrong. Like I know in one episode of Kardashians or an interview, she said that calmness was her superpower. I believe, yes, absolutely that, but also that ability to do something and prove every single person wrong is just exactly why her brand is what it is and why she is as big as she is. Because she went into an episode where I would say the vast majority of SNL viewers were already doubting her. And not only did she go in and just do what she does best, which is just showcase her natural personality, she put in an amount of work to it that nobody could deny, that anybody who was a viewer of the show had to automatically respect because she put in the hours. She showed the hours she was putting in. She put in the time in the sketches, which not every person who hosts is in that many sketches. She really put the work in there. And she also called in other comedians for help to show her dedication to really nailing it. And I think regardless of what you thought of the actual episode, if you're somebody who enjoys SNL or somebody who's a fan of SNL, you have to respect, like give the utmost respect to how seriously she took this assignment. Right. If anything, she gained your respect in that way, even if nothing else, in the fact that she never came in thinking she's too good for this or she's better than this, or like she really, you know, it's a natural that she deserves to be here. She, and it was literally the first line of her opening monologue, she understood that there was confusion around her being there. And she wanted to say, well, since I'm here, let me at least show you what I can do. And that she did. 
We put in just a few different paragraphs from various articles, and I think that the Vanity Fair is a good one to start with. It's titled, Kim Kardashian West is not funny, but she was surprisingly good on SNL by Karen Valvey. Here's the confusing truth about Kim Kardashian West. As a performer, as a presence in the room even, she's uncharismatic, zipped up, and rigid. Every movement is mechanical. She reads cue cards like they're law books, and her style of listening is to nod with vague interest while looking beyond her scene partner. And yet, and yet, and yet, I found myself liking the woman more and more as her episode of Saturday Night Live unfolded. There's something so endearing, inspiring even, about how hard this woman works. She was in nearly every sketch, which in itself shows a sign of respect for the assignment. And my God, she is a good sport and had clearly told the writing staff to go ahead and take every shot. In her delivery, Kardashian West tried to modulate her voice, throw in a hand gesture every now and then, and you could tell she'd been coached to pause for audience laughter. And it was clever for her to end by telling the audience that what she likes about herself is that she's genuine, and she understood the genuine honor of being in the room. This felt like the artistic equivalent of a couch potato training to run a marathon. Somebody who doesn't have delusions of greatness, but rather dreams of accomplishment. The woman did something nobody thought she could, and because of her obvious efforts, didn't embarrass herself. I found myself rooting for her. I have chills. <laughs> I have chills too. And I have to tell you, that last line is all I could ever want for somebody who came in a skeptic. You don't have to say that you are this diehard Kim Kardashian fan. That's fine. But as the episode unfolded, for you to start subconsciously rooting for her, to me, is the biggest testament of the show she put on. Absolutely. And that was one of the things where, you know, when you were watching, and you're watching her monologue, you immediately run to Twitter to see what the reaction is going to be because you know it's hilarious. No one's changing your mind. No one's making you not think it was funny, but automatically you want to see what the rest of the public is going to say. And every single tweet was either, I knew she was going to kill it. Why are we acting surprised that Kim is doing well? Or all of these people, and this was the vast majority saying, I cannot believe how much I am enjoying this right now. I cannot believe how well she is doing. I cannot believe how funny that was. And seeing those come in was like, an experience I couldn't even explain. As not Kim Kardashian, as not a member of the family, I could not believe the reaction that I was having to the positivity coming in about the monologue. It's so funny you say that because I obviously just behind the scenes for a second was at a bachelorette party and I couldn't watch it live, but my phone was blowing up because you and Isabel were both experiencing not only SNL, but also the Twitter aspect of it in real time. And I was kind of holding my breath for a second because I didn't know what people were going to say. And for you, who I feel like follows a lot of people that not only are skeptics of the Kardashians, but I think also just would identify as non-fans, for you to feel as though their response was so positive was just exciting for me, even having not watched it yet. It really, it was so exciting. The internet reaction was just, it was everything I could have hoped for, especially because you're sitting there and it's like, Obviously, you don't get to say to people, I told you so. This is not your night to say I told you so. It's not about you. But you still get that vicarious feeling. And it was just, it was literally just rewarding. And I have to say, watching it, not only did I have that feeling of being so happy for her and it being about her, I also had like a very renewed feeling personally of being like, wow, this is why I love SNL. I was actually going to ask you that because obviously you personally have had a much more lengthy history with the show SNL. And, you know, it's been something that I feel like your interest has ebbed and flowed in because for so long you were so passionate. I think you acknowledge that it kind of took a dip. And so I was curious about how this manifested itself for you in that exact way. 
I truly felt it was one of the most enjoyable SNL watches and experiences I've had in the past couple of years. And I'm not delusional in the sense of like, Kim was amazing and Kim was specifically amazing for Kim and what people expected of her. I understand that in the grand scheme of SNL and the amazing people they've had on the show and the amazing hosts they have, it's not like she necessarily compares in terms of her comedic abilities, but there was something about watching her where typically when you have a host on and you have an amazing host, you're so excited for them because it's such an honor that that person is hosting and you're so excited for that person to be on the show. There was something about Kim hosting where it wasn't just, I was so excited she was there. It was that I actually felt like SNL as a whole benefited from her being there. And I think that is a rarity. I think that the sketches were better than I've seen in recent years. I think they were funnier. I think she obviously gave them so much material. And for her to you know clearly go in and say nothing is off limits, gave them the ability to really write characters based on Kim herself that just worked so well. And just, I I was watching, like I said before, with a smile on my face the entire time because it was just so overwhelmingly enjoyable of an experience. Exactly. You know that TikTok sound that's like, oh no, who got you smiling like that? Literally <laughs> no. Kim on SNL. Literally Kim on SNL. Yeah, no, I know. I also think the thing about it is that like, if you, for any average person, you obviously know your family better than anyone. And so it must be, easier or more enjoyable to joke about them. And that's such an obvious in, but for most people, the rest of the world doesn't know your family. But when the rest of the world also is in on the jokes about your family, you can play that up in a way that isn't just more natural to you, but is also so entertaining to the masses, to people that like you and to people that don't like you. Because by the way, you could be somebody like us who cannot get enough of Travis and Courtney's relationship and wants to see every kissing photo and wants to see all the PDA. Or you could be somebody who really can't stand them and finds it to be a little bit vulgar. And you enjoyed that people's court sketch just as much because you were either making fun of them or laughing with them. Right. The P- I mean, that's also it. The sketches were just great. That people's court sketch was so funny. That line where Chris says to Kendall and Kylie or the two that were acting as Kendall and Kylie about Kendall not having enough drama. And she says back, I'm a Jenner, not a Kardashian. And Chris says, and that's something you need to work on. Like, typically, not everybody who watches SNL would understand that joke fully, but it just hit so well, especially because it was Chris herself delivering it, that it was like, the whole family is in on this. This isn't just Kim kind of doing this self-deprecating thing and taking hits at her family. The family is also in on this whole joke and the usage of, Chris and Chloe in it was so perfect and not overdone and used at the right times. And the guests really made the whole episode as well. No, it's absolutely true. And not just from the family, because even in The Bachelorette sketch, in Travis Andrews's Washington Post review that Chris posted, there was this one paragraph, which I want to read. He goes, what makes the sketch work so well is how little the men actually say. Usually SNL attempts to milk its celebrity guests to the point where the joke of them being there grows tiresome. This time, however, their mere presence is the joke. Though it might seem contradictory, having Chris Rock on and giving him 10 words of dialogue is a pretty brave comedic choice. Having the focus be Kardashian West's relationship with a self-involved Mooney and her issues with Cena, quote, I don't love that you have a wife, is downright courageous. The episode proved, once again, that a truly engaged and energized host can make a good show and can clearly inspire the writers to bring out their best material. Yes. Yes. Well, that's exactly what you were saying a second ago. I think 
not only her being so energized and her being so willing, but I have to imagine that in their first meeting, she said to them, I'm telling you right now, nothing is off the table. Because to get, you know, I know we're kind of going all over the place from sketches to monologue, but to get a Kanye and an OJ thing back to back, that's like top of the top in terms of how far she would go. Right. And just like a side thing that honestly has nothing to really do with SNL, but has more to do with herself. I was so relieved to hear her use the words when I divorced Kanye because I was like, okay, that's official. You don't go in your SNL monologue and specifically say when I divorced Kanye, if that's up in the air right now. To be honest with you, the first time I watched it, I didn't necessarily pick up on that because I was just so in the moment. And then after I took a step back and I was like, you know what? I'm going to say that that choice of words was intentional. It definitely was. Also, just going back to the per- the dream guy sketch for a second, one of the moments of SNL that I actually felt was most enjoyable for me, not just seeing Amy Schumer appear and not just Kim absolutely breaking at that one line where Amy Schumer says she accepted with both her holes, which literally I did a spit take. But if you remember when Amy hosted SNL, so much of her monologue was about the Kardashians. She had that very famous line of saying, you know, who are these young girls looking up to? You kind of have to respect a family like the Kardashians who takes the faces they were born with as a light suggestion. So to go from that to having Amy appear as a guest on Kim's episode of SNL where she was hosting was just this full circle moment that was so special, I felt like. Beyond so, and to take it even a step further from that, then Kim on her own monologue is saying the line, you know, I'm so much more than the reference photo that my sisters show their plastic surgeon. So it was just the full circle of it all was overwhelming and really special. That reference photo line was just, it was great. It was great because it was so accurate. <laughs> like, what's Kylie going to say? That's false. No, a hundred million percent. <laughs> Also, I would obviously be completely remiss to not mention the skit of Kim and Pete. Are you kidding me that we get Kim Kardashian as Jasmine kissing Pete Davidson as Aladdin who just found out that he got a bigger dick with the whole subcontext of the fact that this man is known for having a big dick? I said, and I was like, wow, I watched Kim live my dream tonight. And my dad was like hosting SNL. And I was like, no, kissing Pete Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't your dad know you better than to know hosting SNL is maybe your worst nightmare? <laughs> it's like one of those things that would be my worst nightmare, but also my dream at the same time. So it's a it's a difficult relationship, but it was definitely the Pete aspect for me. Just one other note on Pete is that in the People's Court sketch when he's playing MGK and obviously Kim is Courtney, it was so great because probably the two most qualified people to make fun of those respective relationships were in the sketch. You know, like it wasn't like Kim was just playing Courtney and then some random person was playing MGK. So out of the foursome, two of the four people happened to be best friends with them slash sisters. You know, what was funny also was you kind of went into the episode and that was the one guarantee like that there was going to be a joke in there about MGK, Megan Fox, Courtney and Travis, and that Pete was going to be the one to play MGK. Like you went in and that was kind of the one given of the episode. And still when it happened, I was like, that's amazing. Like I was so taken back still, even though I absolutely knew a hundred percent certain that that episode wouldn't have ended without it. Well, we, I think we literally said it on last week's episode. We were kind of, you know, hypothesizing as to what we thought was going to happen. That court sketch was so funny. I also keep going back to the dream guy sketch because I think that was probably the most talked about sketch of the night. But one of the most under discussed parts of that was how good Kim's wig looked. 
I love her in a light brown. I did too. I looked at her and I was like, I so get why John Mulaney walked back into this building for a haircut. (laughs) I can only imagine, especially with Kim, like with your average host, I know that the change times in between is so brief and so stressful and I've literally witnessed it happening. But I feel like with Kim specifically, because she's so particular with how she looks that it just must have been, I guess the lead up, I should say, must have been even more precise than usual. Oh, I think so too. You know what was funny also in that the Dream Guy sketch? Uh, Blake Griffin being there. I thought they were going to mention Kendall at some point. Like I thought there would be a slight reference to the sister thing. I actually think them not mentioning it was almost funnier because it was like an if you know, you know type of thing. Right. How hot is he? Like, I'm sorry. No. I know. I know he's standing next to Jesse Williams and Tyler Cameron and these other men that you would think are maybe factually better looking. I know it's just the high thing, but it's, it's not actually. It's his entire presence. He's just so attractive. No, I so agree with you. Also, it was funny is everyone there was kind of random, but I felt like no one's presence more random to me than Chase Crawford and no one's presence I was more excited about than Chase Crawford. It was the most beautiful randomness. And you know that he was happy about it. He posted Kim after. Well, that was one of the things I loved really the most was everybody who had a piece in that sketch was so genuinely excited and proud of it after. And Amy posted, they all posted, they were so excited to have been a part of that. And they really knew how well that sketch did and how well received it was. And it was so funny to watch them all be so proud of themselves for that. I know. And I feel like if you're Kim, you know, some Chris Rock, for example, is one of the most well-respected comedians in the world. I know he's a family friend and all of that, but I think, you know, you can take that aside and personal relationships aside. And I still think that it must be an honor that people who are such well-respected comedians like an Amy, like a Chris Rock, who people would think of when they think of SNL, understood the magnitude of this. And listen, nobody's saying that Kim is on that level, but they said, you know what? It makes sense that you're here. You know what? Everything about it was just everything I could have asked for and more. And I know that to a lot of people who watched and even enjoyed it, the level of discussion about it could be a little over the top. I just felt like it was such a cultural moment and everyone who was watching it that night and everyone who watched it after really understood it. Like, I can't even tell you the extent of the people that I was speaking to just about this sketch that I would never normally speak to, even about Kim-related things, even about SNL-related things, because every single person was just so unbelievably excited to be a part of this moment. Oh, totally. Listen, that ship has sailed for me a long time ago about, you know, potential over-discussion. It's one thing that happened. We have one episode to talk about it. And I just, I can't hide it. What am I going to do? Fake my level of excitement now just to not seem, (laughs) to not seem ridiculous. I'm really excited about this and I totally own that. I am too. I actually feel like I have to go watch it after. (laughs) Yeah, no, for my third time. I also, in that Washington Post article that I was reading earlier from Travis Andrews, he has this one part that references Deborah Messing, which I want to just quickly read because I want to read the ending line. So he quotes Deborah Messing saying, why Kim Kardashian? I mean, I know she's a cultural icon, but SNL has hosts generally who are performers who are there to promote a film, TV show, or album launch. Am I missing something? Said actress Deborah Messing in a viral tweet. Let's just skip over the fact that previous hosts have included athletes, politicians, Silicon Valley executives, and models. As it turns out, Kardashian West was the defibrillator the show needed. And the ending line is, Messing was right about one thing. Kardashian West wasn't there to promote a film, TV show, or album launch. She was there to host SNL, and that's why it worked. Fucking mic drop. Again, chills. I know. I know. It was just so good, you guys. I I say this a lot. 
specifically with Kardashian related things or with like Ben Affleck and JLo at the Venice Film Festival, I just want you to know that if you were also watching it smiling the entire time and you had this overwhelming excitement and then immediately questioning your level of excitement and pride for somebody that you've never met, I just want you to know this is a safe space and we felt it too. And let yourself enjoy that. How few times are there when something on TV can elicit that type of reaction? So personally for me, I am just so happy to be in this space. Me too. And based on our DMs, I would say a lot of people were on our page, like specifically our DMs, which was maybe also one of my favorite parts of the entire episode. To be able to see everyone's genuine in the moment reactions to us come in was a level of enjoyment I can't even explain. Yeah, because you just feel so in it. It's it, Again, we talk about this constantly. That was internet camaraderie, but it felt different when it was Kim because it just felt more personalized. Totally. Obviously, there are other elements of this that we want to talk about, like Chloe and Chris being there and Courtney not and you know all of that stuff, which is a little bit more you probably only care about if you're somebody that really cares about the Kardashians. So we're going to do that at the end in the Kardashian recap. We have a few other stories to touch on, but we wanted to just have a general discussion and then go a little bit more deep when it's only the people that actually really care about this stuff. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. It is obviously not to the same extent as it was when watching Kim SNL, but I have to say that feeling of smiling the entire time was also present in both of these next two things we're going to discuss, not only in reading, but then also in watching. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure you guys saw that Adele covered both US and British Vogue and her single Easy On Me comes out October 15th, which she did an Instagram live a few days ago and she ended up playing about a minute of the song. I didn't see it when it was actually happening, but I caught some of it after and we'll put the link in the description for anybody that missed it. It was so fun to see her on Instagram live because you know, on one hand, she's playing this song that is so deeply emotional and intense. And then at the same time, it's juxtaposed with her kind of lighthearted, fun banter. And it was just really cool to see the side of her. Well, that's kind of nailing her whole personality where you expect because of her music and because of her kind of very secretive and private public persona, 
that her personality would reflect that same level of seriousness. And then she does something and you see her in something like an Instagram live or a carpool karaoke or an interview. And you're so taken back by how funny she is. Like she has such an incredible personality and it kind of catches you off guard because it's not what you're expecting. Well, that's the thing. She could be just as famous and as successful without it because her voice is just that good. She's one of those people that really just is that talented. So then when she has this other side to herself, it just makes her so you know overwhelmingly likable. And in British Vogue, she was interviewed by Giles Hattersley. I'll put the link in the description, but just a few key points that we wanted to touch on. In talking about Easy On Me, she's saying that a lot of the album was for her son. And I want to read this one part. She says, quote, My son has had a lot of questions, really good questions, really innocent questions that I just don't have an answer for. Like, why can't you still live together? She sighs, gone are players and cads as song fodder, mostly. This is the deep sea of motherhood. Quote, I just felt like I wanted to explain to him through this record when he's in his 20s or 30s who I am and why I voluntarily chose to dismantle his entire life in the pursuit of my own happiness. It made him really unhappy sometimes. And that's a real wound for me that I don't know if I'll ever be able to heal. That to me, that one part of just explaining, you know, that she wrote this with her son 20 years down the line in mind, but that one particular line when she said, I voluntarily chose to dismantle his entire life in the pursuit of my own happiness. I just found that to be so impactful because, and she says it later on, you know, I don't know if it's a wound I'll ever be able to heal of like, she on one hand has a sense of guilt about it, but also recognize that not only did she need to do what she needed to do in order to be her best self and then by extension of that, be the best mother to her child, but also I think that she has the faith in herself that she will be able to you know, carry her son through this and explain it to him in a way that does make sense, even if it takes a little while. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what's kind of so interesting about this next album is obviously it's written with the intent of explaining this giant major life event to her son and especially explaining it to him in the future. But, you know, obviously this is a massive worldwide record and we also get to benefit from that. And we also get the explanation of that where, like we were saying before, Adele is extremely private. This wasn't a divorce where, you know, both parties were equally as famous and the world was super, super invested in the divorce and like heartbroken by this couple splitting up. It wasn't really like that, but we did have a very large interest in her and her journey after the divorce and how that was going to manifest in her music. So to get an album that's so clearly so personal, we also get some of our questions answered and we also probably get questions answered that we didn't even know we had. Oh, completely. I mean, in this article, she spoke a little bit about, you know, her dating life. And at the end, while they were doing the interview, her boyfriend, Rich Paul, came into the room. And so not only did she end up talking a little bit about it, but also the author got to say from his perspective what it was like watching her watch him, you know, how her eyes kind of lit up when he walked into the room. And something that she said here, which is something you and I talked about a lot in terms of just hypothesizing who she could potentially date, is that she is such a megastar and she recognizes the magnitude of her fame. And she was saying like, 
I dated before him, but most people were so put off by everything that came with my celebrity. And she said, you know, he wasn't and he gets it. And this is exactly the concept of fame adjacency that we talk about so frequently, not just with Adele, but also with Kim, with people that are that famous that, okay, maybe they don't want to date somebody who's equally as famous, but if not, they need to date somebody who's been around it. And this guy, he's incredibly successful in his own right. He's an agent. He works constantly with celebrities and athletes. LeBron James is one of his closest friends. Like he gets this level of fame. And so she kind of said, you know, for him, it's not emasculating and it can be for a lot of men. And I love that she talked about that because that's exactly what we were discussing when we were first hearing the rumors about them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we said it. We were like, this relationship makes so much sense, especially when you compare it again to her last relationship where it wasn't like she married somebody who was equally as famous or somebody who was even famous at all. And so there was a part of us, I think, that knew that whoever she dated next was not going to be on that same level of fame. It was never going to be somebody that took away from her fame, but it would be somebody who would be able to handle it. And that's exactly what you're seeing now. And it's so interesting to see her in a relationship because you've obviously gotten so much music from her over the years and so much intense, deep personal music, but it's not like you've watched her personal life play out where there are so many artists where you can listen to their music and say like, oh, I know exactly who that's about, or I know exactly what event they're talking about because that was such a big thing in the news. Adele doesn't specifically have that. So this album is kind of one of the first times where you're really seeing her personal life play out in her music and understanding how that connects to each other. Completely, completely. And you know, I thought something that was very telling that she talks about is like one of the reasons that some of the relationships never progressed before Rich is because they were never able to actually have experiences together because going to dinner is not just going to dinner. You know, going to dinner is this entire production. And so they referenced the night of, remember when they were seen courtside at the basketball game, she was like, it wasn't like he dragged me there. She was like, I, I want to go. I want to do this. And I think the very fact that she's willing to do something that's that public with him is such a testament to how comfortable she feels, not only with him, but also how comfortable she knows he feels with the lifestyle. Because one of the things she said is that when they started to get skittish around that stuff, it of course made her more guarded. And so it's like all you could ever want for another person is to be able to be their most authentic self and then also feel as though their lifestyle is being celebrated and not judged. And so to me, it just feels like peak happiness. Oh, absolutely. And I absolutely love that for her. Also, you know, just keeping in mind that this relationship is coming at a time where we're expecting new music from her. Even when they were first seen courtside, it was kind of like, oh, we get this feeling that Adele's coming. There's been rumors circulating for a year. So obviously there's an interest in Adele as is just because of her mega superstar. But there's also a very, very intense renewed interest in her because we knew to expect new music. So anytime a celebrity like that is seen public, especially after kind of not being seen for a while, and not that she was necessarily in hiding, but she's not a super public person. So you kind of had that overwhelming force of like, wow, not only are we excited about a new relationship, we're excited about seeing her post-divorce. And on top of all of that, we're excited about new music, which is probably the biggest thing of all of it. Right. It's like the ultimate combination of things that could happen in somebody's life. Right. And so for a person to be able to kind of handle that major influx, it's very telling. It is very telling. And I'm not that it wasn't evident in this interview, because I think that 
just her entire presence came across very clearly, but I'm telling you guys, watch the Instagram live if you haven't, and you'll completely see what we mean. And on top of that, I just wanted to quickly touch on, you know, her talking about her weight loss journey. And she was basically saying like, I know so many people in my position would have gotten a huge deal with a diet company and would have done this as an entire branded integration. She was like, I didn't want to do that. I did it for myself. I didn't do it for anybody else. And the author asks her, you know, there's been a mad degree of public ownership over you though, right? And she responds, people have been talking about my body for 12 years. They used to talk about it before I lost weight, but yeah, whatever. I don't care. You don't need to be overweight to be body positive. You can be any shape or size, which I just, of course, appreciate that discourse in general always. But I think specifically coming from her, you know, she made it very clear of like, it's great that you feel whatever way you feel about my weight loss, but let me be abundantly clear. This was 100% done for myself. Right. And that was such an important clarification to make because I remember being really like upset when there was so much conversation about her body at the time where there were so many people feeling like she abandoned them by losing weight, like that she maybe caved to public pressure or she did something. And so for her to make it absolutely clear, like to look at my body in that way as if I've abandoned you or as if I've abandoned the body positivity movement or as if I've done something to you this journey for me has nothing to do with anybody else. And it's so counterproductive for that narrative to be put in place. So for her to clarify and say like, this is about me, no matter what size I am, I felt was so important for her to say. Yes. And it goes for both ways. You know, it, it's right. also right. Cause you're right. It's speaking directly also to people who, you know, sadly felt maybe like they lost that sense of relatability. And I think a lot of it is like, what she was saying is like, my body is an extension of me. All of the qualities about me exist no matter what size my body is. Right. And another important clarification that she made was this wasn't a revenge body situation. This wasn't like I got a divorce and now I'm going to lose weight as a result of that. It was like, this has nothing to do with you guys. It has nothing to do with my ex-husband. It is for me. And I thought that was, I mean, again, just so powerful and important for her to say. By the way, the other thing that I love about her is like, she's not at all naive to the fact that if she was not in the position she was financially, she would not have been able to do this in that exact way. You know, She has trainers she works out with constantly and she has a whole team around her being able to help her achieve this. And she's not shy about that at all. And, and it's not that everybody didn't know that, of course, but I always think it's important when people in that level of power just point that out. It's, it's one thing for everybody to know. It's another thing for it to be so transparent. Right. I was just going to say that. I don't think celebrities necessarily owe us transparency. I, I mean, I know a lot of people disagree with that statement, but I personally don't feel that way. But I do think that it is always unbelievably refreshing when they choose to do that. Right. Well, I mean, her exact line is, it's not doable for a lot of people. And I know that. Which like, that's not some revolutionary statement. Of course, ev- all of us logically know that. But I just think it makes the conversation around it's significantly more celebratory when they are the one acknowledging it. Nobody else can then use that card. Right. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, we're going to put the link in the description. It's a really great article that I just got a lot of joy from, and I cannot wait for the song to come out and the entire album. I'm so excited for the album. I've been listening to a lot of Adele on my walks. Yeah. Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. 
With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, the other thing that elicited that same sense of smile while watching was Justin Bieber's ghost music video featuring Diane Keaton, which let me tell you right now, that is a sentence I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would say on this podcast. So I'm going to say it one more time. Justin Bieber's ghost music video featuring Diane Keaton. <laughs> For a minute, I thought I was in the Truman Show. Like what? It seemed like too specifically targeted at, at me. Like, I know. <laughs> like Justin, my favorite song and Diane Keaton. That was a lot for me to process. Uh, to be honest with you, I when I first heard that she was in it, I was so confused because I, of course, always envisioned that he was writing it to Haley. And so at this point, I was thinking, okay, well, is this then to his grandmother? I didn't understand until I watched it, obviously, the context and that you know he was seeing it through her eyes for his late grandfather. But the entire inclusion of Diane Keaton in this whole thing, and also I have to add, the way that she spoke about it of like, yeah, he called me up and I said, let's do it. You know, this is just fun. I wasn't really given a lot of instruction. It was exactly the way that I could have dreamed this would go down, you know, like, okay, Diane Keaton being in a Justin Bieber music video, phenomenal. But the fact that they basically gave her free reign and was like, just be yourself. That's all I could have ever wanted. It was like the music video version of something's got to get like, I don't even know how to explain it. But I have to say the discourse around Ghost in general has been really funny to me because obviously when this song first came out, every single fan and every single Selena fan specifically was like, this song is about Selena. How awful for Haley that he wrote this song about her and it's on an album that's dedicated to Haley. Like, there was a lot of conversation about this. And he then came out saying, you know, this actually wasn't a song that I wrote. It was one that was written for me and explained kind of the perspective of it being about a loss, not just about a, not about a relationship, but like about a death and that being something that a lot of people can relate to. So then for this music video to come out and the progression of this is about Selena Gomez to no, actually, this is about Diane Keaton is maybe one of the greatest things ever. It's one of the funniest things ever. Yes, it absolutely is. And Justin Bieber to be like her doting grandson who just wants to help her be able to live her life with the same vibrancy that she did before her darling husband passed away. Like, I mean, are you kidding? You know, when you're in middle school and you have a Spanish project and you have to make your Spanish family tree and it's like, <laughs> it's like you you pick your own family members to like explain, yeah. Your, yeah. To explain your knowledge of family vocabulary. That's what I would have picked. It would have been like, Husband, Justin Bieber. Grandmother, Diane Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. This this entire thing looks like it's straight up out of your just mood board dream. And you're right. Like, maybe you're, well, currently now, but also like your 16-year-old self. You know what, what else is really funny is that Diane Keaton and Justin have like a little bit of a history there. Like, she, he surprised her on Ellen once. I Diane always comments on his Instagrams. Like, they really love each other. Like, it's a very funny relationship. So what was 
extra funny was her being in this music video was surprising, but not like shocking. Right. Exactly. There's definitely a sense of mutual admiration there, which I just love the whole thing. Like I have nothing really beautiful to say on this other than it was a great watch. And I'm just so glad that it now exists forever. Me too. The next thing we want to talk about, it's not really a story, but I'm honestly curious, not only what you think, Julie, because you and I haven't spoken about it, but also what you guys think. So please let us know. I'm sure you have seen that there are rumors circulating that Chris Evans and Selena Gomez are dating. And the evidence is really minimal, if any. I think the only thing is the fact that they followed each other on Instagram. There were then you know, some things circulating that they were seen leaving the same place. It ended up that those photos were not at the same place they were taken years ago. So it's really just two things. One, them following each other on Instagram. And then second of all, in 2015, Selena was on Watch What Happens and she said that she had a crush on Chris Evans. So those two things pieced together, in addition to them both being single right now, are kind of what we have to work with. But what are your thoughts? So I definitely can't approach this with any sort of like, what do I think about them being together? Because it's such minimal evidence, or if any at all, and a lot of like altered evidence that I would feel genuinely uncomfortable. So I can not say whether or not I think the rumors have any validity to them. But I can say in theory what I would think about this relationship, which is I would absolutely be down for that to be a thing. I actually have to tell you, I agree. Like, I can't say, like, let's pretend this is real. I really don't know. It seems so minimal to me. But it's like I would have never put these two together. I don't know why. It would not have been anywhere in my on my list of, like, top 10 people either of them could date. I don't know why since they're both so single and so attractive. But I got really excited about it, I think, is the best way that I can describe my feeling. I think there's something about a celebrity couple that's so unexpected when you hear two names put together that it's like, I kind of hope that's true just because it would be so random. Like, it's kind of like Angelina Jolie and The Weeknd being out to dinner together. It's like, I don't know necessarily how I feel about them as a couple, but I know that it would be incredibly fun because it is such a random pairing. Right. And also, though, they are so famous. Like they are both just so unbelievably famous. I mean, I consider Selena Gomez to be one of the most famous people in the world ever. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's one of the most followed people on Instagram. And I think she, at one point, she was the most followed person on Instagram. So yeah, I mean, they are fucking famous. Could you imagine though? Like I keep bringing it back to this because it's now just my favorite thing ever. I feel like we're talking about this with every single couple that is even rumored. Imagine the Zendaya Tomaholland car kissing photo. Right. I would lose my mind. There's just something about, listen, celebrities dating will always be a level of fascination that never gets old. I don't think there has ever been a time where since like celebrity really became a thing where their relationships have not been of public interest and have been worth discussing just in general. So for me, it's so much more the idea of like, wow, what random couples are going to pop up that we least expect? Throughout our time, what couples are going to start dating that we can have new and fun conversations about? Because that is something that is never going to get old and never going to end. It's maybe the most fun thing ever. Like I can't express to you how deeply I can't relate to you know, the people that are like, who cares? Let them do what they do. Who cares? It's like, I care. I care with every fiber of my being. Yes, let them do whatever they want to do. I don't care in the sense that I have you know, personal feelings of anger or sadness as they choose somebody that I wouldn't necessarily choose. It's not that. I just am so interested. I'm never going to not be interested. 
It's a part of Hollywood that just brings the dynamics of it all together. Again, it's like we always have this discussion about the lunchroom and like Hollywood kind of existing as a high school where it's like Selena Gomez and Chris Evans could just be a school rumor with zero validity that's being discussed in the hallways and no one knows how it started. Or it could be something and it's like, wow, how did two people from these random groups of friends end up dating? And to me, it is just, even if there is zero validity to it at all, which there 100% may be, just the discussion of it in general as a possibility is nothing but fun. Right. And then, I mean, let's talk about it. Actually, let's pretend that this, you know, really does go through and it happens. And even if it's not a longstanding thing, but they end up having a short lived romance. And then at some point they talk about it after that's always the most telling to me, the most interesting when let's say Selena Gomez is sitting on Ellen and Ellen forces it out of her. And she explains how they first met, you know, well, we had been friendly for years and we have the same agent or whatever it is. Like, I want that little bit of behind the scenes. That is the shit that I absolutely live for. Me too. Something I think about often, like often, 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 is the amount of celebrities and which celebrities have hooked up just one time or two times, and you'll never, ever hear about it. Julie, think about the amount that we know about that are in public, and that's such a small sliver. I think about it constantly. It is something that takes up a huge amount of my brain space, and not even in the sense of like the people we have heard rumors about or the people that we may even know about it. Just in the sense of knowing it happened without ever knowing it actually happened is, I mean, because every single time there's a celebrity couple, by the time you're discussing it, they're in a relationship. It's not like a hooking up phase. It's not a talking phase. By the time it becomes public, they are in a full relationship. Think about the after parties, the Grammys, the Oscars, any event in Hollywood, any event in New York where two celebrities just left together hooked up and it never happened again, like we all do in our normal day-to-day lives. Like the concept of that is wild to me because you'll just never know about it. Even Dumois, when you hear things, you're hearing about whisperings of people going out to dinner or people being seen in public. You're not hearing whisperings of like these two people had sex and, and they hooked up once and it was a one night stand. Well, right. I mean, the thing about it, which is so remarkable, is that it's so unremarkable. It's actually the most normal thing ever. Think about in your own lives, how many people have hooked up with one person one time and never spoke about it again, and not all of their friends knew because it was just a a side hookup. That's the thing. It's so normal. It's so overwhelmingly normal. And that's what I think is actually ironic about it. Exactly. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. 
Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in True Accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comms by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So in terms of the Kardashian recap, like we said earlier, we want to talk about some of the familial dynamics surrounding Kim on SNL because obviously Chris and Chloe were there. Courtney wasn't. It was Landon's 18th birthday, so that's where she was. Okay. I just got to say, like, of course Chloe was going to be there. And of course, she is, to me, just the best example of what a sister is, what a sister should be. And specifically to Kim, she shows up time and time again, and she has such a palpable sense of admiration and celebration for every single thing that Kim is and every single thing that Kim does. And I cannot imagine as Kim what it must feel like to have that level of unconditional support and love. Chloe's best, most redeeming quality among all of her great qualities is that there is absolutely no one more ride or die than Chloe. No, there's not. Her level of loyalty and the way that she shows up for the people that she cares about, it's remarkable. It it truly is. It was, and I texted you that when I was watching. And I think when the after responses started to come in and the way that Chloe was so excited before the show and after the show and so willing to obviously be a part of it is Chloe is the best sister. She's the best sister, all of them. And I think that one of the really annoying narratives that surrounds Chloe is all of the things that she may not get to do. Like, for example, the Met Gala or people saying like, do you think Chloe would want to host SNL? She'll never get the opportunity to. Like one of the best qualities about Chloe is that she is so actually genuinely vicariously happy for her family members that it is as if she's doing those things herself. I genuinely believe that Kim hosting SNL was the greatest joy that that Chloe will have because she was so unbelievably happy and proud of her. And that is just who Chloe is. And she should be unbelievably celebrated for that fact. At Julie, I could not agree with you more. And honestly, for me, like, yes, of course, I think also for her to have a cameo there is cool just because that's an iconic thing to do to have a cameo in SNL. But I think her source of happiness from it came more so from the fact that like she knew that her being willing to go there and doing the whole thing would only further the whole experience for Kim, you know, like not that Kim needed Chloe to show up, but Chloe showing up just added another thing that made Kim's performance even more memorable. And so I think for Chloe, like all she wants is for Kim to get rave reviews from this. And if she could have even one ounce of a part of that, she's more than happy to do so from such a selfless place. Absolutely. Chris wrote a really long, nice post about Kim being on SNL. Uh, Everybody should read it. But one of the things that she says in it was about Kim always including her family and that being one of the most special qualities about Kim. And I so agree with that. Like Chloe and Chris's presence on SNL didn't feel like they were trying to capture their time to shine. It felt so much like this is Kim's thing. She wants us to have a piece in it. So it's a no brainer that we will. Exactly. Exactly. And they, you know, listen, let's just, let's just have the conversation because why not? All of this preface by who the fuck are we? I'm sure things are great. No need to cause an issue and there isn't one. Yes, all of that. That being said, like I found it really disappointing that Courtney wasn't there and that she's posting about it a day later 
And I, I understand that it was Landon's 18th birthday, but I mean, I don't know. Like, come on. Can I give my Courtney hot take? Yeah, do it. I think the reason she wasn't there is because she isn't vaccinated. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. very possible. That's what I think. I mean, I think that she was excited for Kim. I think she just shows her excitement in a way that's different from Chloe because they're inherently different. And I think that she had posted one thing that night and then the next day immediately watched it. So I can't say there's anything necessarily wrong. And I can't say that even if she was there, she would be posting the same way that Chloe was. But I think one of the main reasons she wasn't there is, and by the way, I have zero to back this up. Zero, zero, zero. I just have a feeling that that could be the case. Interesting. No, it's a really good, it's a, I honestly didn't even think about that. That's a great hypothesis. And you're, listen, let me be very clear. Of course they show their excitement in different ways. She could have been sitting there. She could have been in the sketch and she would never write something in the way that Chloe did like that comment on Chris's. Cause that's just not her love language. And that's more than acceptable. I guess it was just fun to feel this overwhelming celebration from the family. And I would have loved to see more of it from her, but I mean, I, I nothing is wrong. I have to imagine that everything is completely fine. It was just selfishly, I would have loved more. Yeah, I so agree. Is there anything else to add? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I'm sure we'll have more thoughts as the week goes on. It was just a fun time. What a good time to be a Kardashian fan. And I really felt like I was on the right side of history with having loved Kim since day one. I could not agree more. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Also, I should say that if you don't normally listen to the bonus show because you don't like the old episodes, but you just like general Kardashian discussion, listen to last Thursday's episode because we basically just treated it as like a complete, what, a complete news roundup. Basically, it was a com- in live time. We just started talking about Kardashian things. So give that a listen if you don't like the old episodes, but like that stuff. And we'll see you later this week. I think we're going to try to switch Bravo and Kardashians again. So it's Thursday Bravo, Friday Kardashians, but we will let you know and we love you guys. Thank you for listening. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up, but specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.